Hello, adventurers. You have found Homebrew Heels, a Nat One Life podcast. I am one of your hosts, hostesses, Amanda. <laughs> My sister Sarah and I will be talking you through some of the Nat Ones we've rolled in the medical health areas of our life. We are not medical professionals by any means, although I personally have watched quite a bit of Grey's Anatomy. We will be sharing our experiences, how we're advocating for our health, what the experience is like in all its details, good and the gross, the cost of the adventure, and most importantly, how we are working to stay happy and motivated through it all. Journey with us and start to find your way through this net one Please know, what we are about to discuss may be graphic, and some listeners may find disturbing, as it pertains to sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Please know what you're about to hear will describe sexual assault to women, men, and children. Listener discretion is advised. Our wonderful Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. has had many quotes, but I found another one. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Mm. That is good for this topic. Yeah, I thought so too. To discuss, um, especially because so many people, mostly women from my reading, mm-hmm. but so many people are silent when it comes to sexual assault. Yeah, Um When I was going through the statistics, which we will read off the numbers here shortly, um, but when I was reading through, I am still shocked. Like, you hear it said a lot, like, that things don't get reported or things don't go investigated. People, you know, either have a hard time with the system, what have you. But once I saw the numbers, I would have figured that this situation would have been dealt with already not to the point where it doesn't happen but to the point where more people would feel comfortable reporting the situation right so let's start with the definition of three terms and then i'm interested on the statistics that you found so we're going to define sexual abuse rape and sexual assault um because they actually are three different things they are um, legally speaking So sexual abuse is a term, um, it's mostly used in the news and things like that, but it's a term and a form of mistreating children. Um, It's usually used to describe that type of behavior towards children and not adults, because Mm -hmm. children are not capable of giving consent in any way, um, depending on what stage you're in, that age range changes, but it is very inclusive of touching um, a person in a way, in a sexual manner, forcing them um, to touch the perpetrator in a sexual manner, um, forcing them to look at sexual images or body parts or pornography um, and sex. So sexual abuse is considered sexual abuse against a child and it is a criminal act. Mm-hmm. So the next thing to define then is rape. Yeah. So rape can happen where there has been sexual abuse. So it's kind of 
There can right. be multiple things. So rape is defined as penetration, no matter how slight, of the vagina or anus with any body part or object or oral penetration by a sex organ of another person um, without the consent of the victim. Um, it is gender neutral in mm-hmm. definition now. Um, and so basically the difference between that abuse, well, abuse is really the child, but the assault versus rape is the penetration. Right. Yep. And obviously consent again is there. And then the last definition is assault. Um, so there's been a lot of different things where rape and assault, sexual assault have been like interchangeable, mm-hmm. but rape it really goes back to that penetration point. Um, so the actual legal term sexual assault, it can describe a range of different things, but they're all sexual in nature. So unwanted touching or kissing, rubbing or groping, um, or somebody forcing you to touch them, um, forcing you to, um, it's really more about like the actual touching, but there's no penetration, Mm -hmm. but sometimes the sexual assault can lead to rape. So that's why there are multiple. Um, now there's also different things that can happen, like being forced again to watch like pornography, Mm -hmm. um, being forced to, um, like people that flash, Mm -hmm. like exposed to that, that sexual assault, um, because they're harmful and traumatic to our psyche, like to our mental status. So our mental health. So those are the three definitions. We're not going to talk about sexual harassment. That is one thing we'll probably get into later. Um, but that's very, that's a very big topic as well. <laughs> so we're going to break these things up too. Federally, there is a general definition. However, the federal government for the United States, that's where we are, has clearly said each state will have their own definition. So the federal is like, yes, here's generalization. However, see to your own state for the exact definition. So you will want to, listeners, go to your state government sites just to make sure that you fully understand what your state considers Mm -hmm. rape, sexual assault, so on and so forth. Um, Not necessarily that the states are leaving anything out, but if you're in a situation like this or just to be prepared, um, it's good to know what your state's differences are. Exactly. And because there are differences about when you can remove consent, um, ignoring consent, um, Mm -hmm. if there's laws about being married. Yep. And things like that. So. Yeah. So let's talk about statistics then with these. Yeah. So uh, the statistics I'm reading from is from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. Um, And I'll just do some high level here. Mm -hmm. Nearly one in five women and one in 71 men in the U.S. have been raped. Mm -hmm. 
more than <laughs> half of the female victims reported being raped by a intimate partner. Uh, 40% by an acquaintance. Uh, for males, more than half uh, was by an acquaintance. 15% wow. by a stranger. Uh, approximately 1 in 21 men reported that they were made, they were forced into the situation. Um, they say that 44% of the men uh, said that it was with an intimate partner that forced them into the situation. 13% of women and 6% of men have experienced sexual coercion. And 27% of women, 11% of men have experienced unwanted sexual contact. So it's not rape any longer, but it is just straight Assault. sexual contact. Yep. Yeah. Um, um, mm. Two more. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> female victims of rape, 79.6% experience uh it happening before the age of 25 and 42 percent um it's before the age of 18 for men 27 percent uh is before 10 years old so one in nine girls and one in 53 boys under the age of 18, experienced sexual abuse or assault from an adult. 82% are under 18, or I'm sorry, 82% of the victims under 18 are female. And it is found that females ages 16 to 19 are four times more likely to be a victim of rape. Um, and so, yeah, those, so how does this relate to, like, mental health? Right, exactly. So, for some people, it, the, there are obvious indicators, right? Going through rape itself, it, it's a devastating situation both mentally and physically. Um, it is actually one of the leading costs for hospitals in wow. the United States is to heal and help rape victims. Wow. And assault. And so it's not necessarily something that you think even with assaults, oh, nothing, like, physically harmed them. Well, that is actually very mentally harmful. It is a shock to the brain and the system to the point where people need to see, seek out therapy and see a psychologist mm -hmm. because of PTSD-type experiences mm -hmm. and imagine a child who 
doesn't know better, who is, their brain is still a sponge absorbing all information. Right. And so when this happens to them, they truly do not have the capabilities of processing the information themselves. Mm-hmm. Their brain is not equipped to do so. And so as they become older and whatnot, they too will try to essentially, they may try to cope with the situation, but mm-hmm. find that because they at a young age weren't taught how to, they only were taught, their brain was only taught how to receive or how to deal with the situation in the moment right then that that's truly all that they do know so they need help to develop that part of their brain to understand how to think about and how to i don't want to say the word cope again but really to get them back on a healthy mental status Well, there's a lot that um, goes into what's going on mentally when you are going through a sexual assault um, or rape and also what happens after. There's a lot of shame and things like that involved. And so we'll we'll talk about that, I think, in a later episode to get deep into that. Um, We're purposefully not going to make this a long episode, guys, because it's very heavy content. Yeah. But... um, But it is, you know, a topic that needs to be discussed. Yes, absolutely. I mean, just reading off those statistics, it's shocking, really, that so many people around you have experienced this in one way or another. Right. So let's go through um, our history as women growing up in the United States Mm -hmm. Um, like prepubescent from age like zero to 12, were you a victim of any type of sexual abuse, assault, or rape? Zero through 12? Um, no, not that I can remember. Um, one of the things that I find half interesting and half, uh, just, really like I don't I don't know it's not something where I'm like oh my gosh I'm not happy about it I just the brain is something that I just find so interesting within itself because it will do certain things to protect itself absolutely so this is one of those moments where you're so young and like I was saying your your brain doesn't truly know what it's supposed to do And so there are times where kids will just mask over the whole situation. Mm -hmm. They'll even like they'll think that it happened a slightly different way or not as intense as it truly was in that moment because they didn't know better. And Mm -hmm. or it was so impactful that their brain is protecting itself. Right. So for me, I honestly don't recall any situations between the ages of zero to 12 of being sexually assaulted in any way. The most I remember 
is just I would always constantly get comments about my looks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, even though I entered puberty or slightly earlier than a lot of other girls, my figure isn't one that filled out like to this day. I am not somebody who is curvy or right. you're petite. I am very petite and I always have been. So I would get comments about my looks and I assumed it was mainly just about my face. Mm-hmm. And so could I have misinterpreted some of those for sure? But between that age, uh, I was lucky enough to not have to go through anything scarring that I remember. Mm-hmm. So disclaimer. So for me, um, I was sexually molested by um, a cousin, an older cousin. Um, between the ages of like seven, probably to nine. I can't really remember how long he lived with us. Um And I just remember flashes of things that were done to me or that he would have me do to him. Um, And it definitely, it created a requirement to compartmentalize Mm -hmm. because I wasn't allowed to, you know, because he would threaten me. He would smack me, you know, like. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about this. Don't tell anybody, you know, these are our secrets, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was living with us. My parents had taken him in because he was the, um, son of one of our aunts who has a drug problem. Mm -hmm. And so our mom was trying to help this child because he was a child. I, I think he was like five or six years older than me. So he was like 12 12 or 13, right? Or 13. And so it's hard because obviously most likely something had been done to him. Right. Um, and so it's, it's rough because there's a lot of mixed emotions in there. Um, I never told anybody until I was in my twenties. Um, like in terms of my parents or anything, nobody. Yeah. Knew. Um, he had done other things like, um, and admitted some things in counseling, like that he was looking at our other sister, Melissa, um, you know, things like that. And so he ended up moving, getting removed, you know, like he didn't live with us any longer. Um, that was the greatest thing ever. But no, he made me perform oral sex on him. He penetrated me with his fingers. Um, he touched me. He made me touch him. He would like put me in a closet and close the door and say, we're going to read a book, but it was dark. And I remember one time um, that dad came in. Mm, yeah. Knocked. I was like, what's happening? And Nathan had like told me if that ever happens, this is what you do. You pull your pants up really quick and then you open this book. So like he knew what he was doing. Right. It was all and, thought out. Yep. It was all pre-planned. So that really fucked me up in terms of like lying mm-hmm. because you have to compartmentalize your life, right? Mm-hmm. Don't yep. tell these people these things. Tell these people these things. And then 
then he left. So then it was like, oh, thank God. But then it really created weird issues later on with like attention from men. Mm-hmm. Because I had already been it, at that point thinking about it, how I felt at that point. My biological father had abandoned me, quote, air quotes, mm-hmm. like a year before. Yeah. So. So when you turned 20, or when you were 20, and you, you know, let mom and dad know or whatnot, before that, or even after that, at any point, did you seek help or assistance? Um, like, I talked to a counselor about it. Okay. Yeah. So... I've dealt with it. And I had talked to a counselor about it before that, but I had never told anybody in my life. So like I had started dealing with it. I think when I had turned 18, 19, I was living by myself. You know, I got some insurance for the first time, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like go see a counselor where people need to understand when you grow up in a military family, you don't have the same rights to privacy as a normal citizen does so like when you turn 13 like my son he goes to counseling you know whatever he i don't have i'm if he doesn't want me in the room i can't be in there if he doesn't want me to see the records i can't see the records it's to protect the child so when you're in a military family at least when i was growing up and maybe things have changed but that is not how that works your parents get a copy of your records You can see everything. So I never talked about it growing up because I didn't ever want my parents to find out. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what about later in life? Later in life. Mm -hmm. After childhood. Yeah. So I had, like I said, I had very um, promiscuous I guess not really I didn't I didn't start having sex until I was 16 um and it was with a boyfriend that I had been with for a long time and had stayed with then for a long time after that mm-hmm. um but I would be you know it's kind of like the Bill Clinton situation I didn't mm-hmm. have sexual relations it's like well how do you define that right, right? yep so um I dated a lot, I guess I would say. And I was very sexually aggressive um, at some times. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess you'd probably, like, if you were going to label me, it would be, like, she was kind of easy to kiss. Sure. But, like, I'd never go all the way. So, like, tease. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway. um, So terrible, the culture we have around sexual things. Um, So, in high school, you know... I was over-sexualized, but I was not, like, I never was sexually assaulted or anything like that. Um, I was on the Palm Squad. We wore uniforms that are um, meant to dance in. So, like, I hate when people say, like, oh, they're so revealing and blah, blah, blah. They're meant as a sports uniform. Right. Like, you wouldn't call a wrestling uniform revealing. You would say it's necessary because they need to move the way they need to move. 
when you're doing jumps and all of those things, long skirts that go to your knee aren't really conducive to doing the kicks and things like that that you're trying to do, right? Right. And I've I've danced in a dress myself in yeah, one year, and it only it went down to our knees uh, or just right above the knee. Mm-hmm. And they're flowy. They weren't super tight or anything. They're they're really fairly conservative comparing to, you know, a lot of different other uniforms. Um, however, they were a pain in the butt. And it was almost like just as bad because we still had to do the same jumps. We still had to do the same kicks. Your skirt, it, it's all physics. It, mm-hmm. it follows the, around you. Yeah, yeah it continues in the same motion that everything else is going so even like even with longer skirts your butt and everything is still going to show at some point like we had a problem where we were rolling behind us and our skirts ended up literally over our heads Mm -hmm. and right the the amount of fabric there is not the concern right so that then I am curvy. Mm -hmm. I have been curvy my whole life. Um, You know, I entered high school with like a D cup and just kept going up from there. And so it, it gave me more attention. And so there would be like, you know, comments, grabs, smacks, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that, especially at like the football games and all those, but nothing that was significant. I had one other significant thing. Um, that happened when I was 18, mm-hmm. um, out of high school, but not in high school, uh, or not in those like middle school to high school years. What about you? Right. Yeah. For middle school to high school, um, that is when especially the boys started to notice me, mm-hmm. um, similar, very, very similar to you. I would get you know, the, the comments, you get those whistle calls, get sometimes, um, smacks on the butt and whatnot. Um, but nothing further than that. Um, but it's the, it, I was in the same situation. Like I was just mentioning being in uh, winter guard, in a dance group and sometimes what we a lot of times our uniforms covered Mm -hmm. almost everything except for those dresses that was the one year um but they were everything else if it was covered it was extremely tight fitting yeah they were the leggings they were basically it was a unitard one year. So it literally was just spandex covering our body. So there was nothing hidden. I had to wear specific underwear. We were told to wear specific underwear because our uniforms were so tight that the panty lines would come through. And yeah, so during high school and whatnot, I for sure got, you know, comments and whatnot, but Still, um, nothing further. What about your adulthood now? All those years that we've been alive. (laughs) Right. So, uh, oh, well, and I guess I should go back 
first. Um, I was pressured in high school. Mm-hmm. And I just want to bring that up because pressure can very quickly turn into other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where some of the touching, mm-hmm. you know, may have come into play and whatnot. But it was with people that I was in a relationship either with or was interested in and whatnot. So it's one of those things where in the moment you're you kind of just put it off like oh I said no nothing further happened what have you Mm -hmm. not a big deal that's what I told myself in the adult years there is one circumstance that really sticks out in my mind and this is kind of like a perfect example of how even the smallest sexual assault can affect somebody Mm -hmm. um this was like the moment where I truly reverted out of my naive state and started to try and think as much of as an adult as you know what society says an adult mindset is like okay Um, I was on the city bus, and uh, it was late at night, but still fairly busy. Everybody was getting done with the late night uh, work night, heading home. I was uh, sitting by myself. There's nobody next to me, and I was minding my own business, listening to music, or reading a book. I was reading a book, looking out the window um, once in a while, and a guy gets on the bus, And it appears he is intoxicated. However, there's no confirmation. He chooses to sit next to me. Mm -hmm. I continue to ignore him. Um, But he turns to me and starts trying to ask, you know, try to start up a conversation. I give him that conversation. I'm like, all right, obviously he's not going to leave me alone. So I politely, you know, ha ha ha. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. You know let him talk on and then he starts essentially hitting on me Mm -hmm. and making comments about my looks he looks down at my pants and he's like those look like some really nice jeans they're not people they're very common jeans (laughs) your Levi's are so hot right And I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Had him for a while. That moment, I looked up and I looked to see if anybody else was paying attention. Mm -hmm. And there were three sets of eyes on me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. So I continued conversation. Mm -hmm. And he's like, can I touch them? No. I said, yes. Uh Uh-oh. You were uncomfortable, or why would you say yes? Like, what was going through your head in the moment? Right. So, and this is why it's, I think, important. So, I was so nervous, and, but so naive at the same time, that I was like, I have three set of eyes on me. There's nothing that this guy can do, right? 
Like, he can't get away with doing anything. And so I was like, okay, he's, like, just going to, I don't know, put a finger on my knee, mm-hmm. what have you. He, <laughs> I said yes. So he decided to go above the knee, uh, kind of, like, mid-thigh, what have mm-hmm. you. And he started to stroke. Mm. And a lot longer than was needed. Mm-hmm. And then he asked for my phone number. And I started to, like, give him my phone number. But I knew, I was like, there is no way, like, I am giving this guy my mm-hmm. number. I do not want to hear from him. I don't even want a voice message from him or anything like that. And so I changed the very last digit of mm-hmm. the phone, of my phone number. And he was like, oh, thanks. Oh, man, where are we? I don't even know where I'm at. And then he got off the bus and he left. Mm-hmm. And I looked back up to those people that were staring at us. And one of them was no longer looking. Two of them were still looking. And it was almost like... Either they were concerned or confused about the interaction. And yeah. but nobody said anything. Well, they're probably confused. I mean, right. you have to think about, they don't know what's going on in your head. Right, exactly. Right? And so they're like, well, she said he could touch her pants. Right, exactly. She like, gave him her phone number. They, and it rightfully so. Like, this stranger, yes, approaches a woman and or you know, girl, what have you, and asks for consent. That's what it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I said yes. So what are they supposed to do? Right. And so then afterwards, I just, I couldn't focus on my book. I just stared out the window and I felt like such an idiot like why would I say yes to something like I okay also to give people some context I was going to college for fashion design mm-hmm. so in my head feeling fabric to me as like a fashion designer is important and right. we go I've to the Joann's and just feel fabric all the time right exactly and like during college, it, that was very normal for even me to do, to mm-hmm. walk up and be like, oh, my gosh, can I feel your jacket? Like, mm-hmm. can I feel your shirt? But, so that's where that naivete is coming in. Yes, exactly. So I was just so naive and so dumb. I'm like, maybe he's like me. Maybe he likes. Right. Oh, are you in fashion design? He's like, sure. Right. Let me rub your pants. But then, like, the moment he went over the knee, I was like, what the frick did I just let him do? Like, what did I just allow? Right. Mm. So, it sounds small, and it sounds stupid. And, yes, I am a girl that said yes. But... (sighs) There's a a time and place (laughs) for everything... And being on a public city bus is clearly not the place to start making sexual advances Mm -hmm. physically on somebody. 
And so when somebody's like, oh, yeah, you can do this. In no way does that always mean you can take it to the extreme. Right. Like, I, when I went up to people, can I feel your shirt? I didn't feel their breast. Right. I went yeah. to the You're bottom like the of the shirt. Yeah, exactly. Where there's a hem. They're mm-hmm. the Or where they offer. Exactly. They're like, oh, yeah. And they, like, pop their shirt out. Yes. Lift that They up. are comfortable with that part and so that is yes so and that's I guess like what I feel a lot of people have a hard time understanding when they hear like sexual assault and they're like oh people are blowing it out of proportion and blah 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 I'm like I don't think they are I think the people who are being accused um of committing the act, they very well, like, they had intentions. Right. So they know what they're doing. And right. they're manipulating a situation. Exactly. Or they're, you know, and that's that's where the United States doesn't have very strong laws against coercion and manipulation. Because it's hard to prove. But in other countries, like in the UK, they, they do. They have more laws against manipulating people mentally or manipulating a situation for your own particular outcome. He went into that situation with a specific outcome. And I honestly think the U S has is starting to acknowledge intent, but it's more for children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But once you become an adult, it's like the intent. it still matters, but it, like mm-hmm. you were just saying, it's harder to define. Yeah. Yes. So in my adulthood, um, and this kind of plays into that, um, one sexual experience that I had that I want to talk about because I feel like it's fairly common was with um, a person I was dating at the time. Um, it was the person right before I married Paul. Mm-hmm. And we were living together. We were having sex regularly, so it wasn't like that wasn't happening, but there was one specific night that I remember we were in our apartment. We didn't even have a bed or anything. We had an air mattress still. Like, it was that early. I was 18. It was early years, people. And so um, we didn't have anything, and it had been, like, several weeks at this place. I was just really uncomfortable, and we're going to sleep, and he tried to initiate sex and I said no mm-hmm. and rolled over and then he proceeded to have sex with me anyway pull down my pants I'm like I really don't want to but you're in this relationship with this person you've had sex before and the, and I don't know for me it was very confusing I I cried through the whole thing um, but I wasn't like struggling I wasn't screaming yeah I was just like I told you I didn't want to have sex. I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand why you're still doing this. But at the same time, you're my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. You're supposedly in love with this person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. But that is rape. (laughs) I said no. And that's common, like, kind of like a date rape kind of situation where 
you're you're going along, you're making out, you're like you were talking about pressure, you're going up to a certain point. If you say no, they're supposed to stop. Even if you're in a relationship with that person that doesn't give them the right. Um, nobody has a right to sex with you. So, right. um, so that was one experience I had. And that was really, that fucked with my head. Because it's like, do I even have a right to feel this way? Right, yeah. So. Yeah, and I want to say, like, I've been in similar situations with prior relationships and whatnot where, cause I, to be very honest with everybody who's listening, I didn't have sex until I was 18 and like the, and this is where we have to define it. Right. And it have penetrating sex until I was 18 I have had oral sex before mm-hmm. then and whatnot, um, but I have only had two partners that I've had penetrating sex with, mm-hmm. and so it's very, very low, um, and it it is a different kind of situation, though, where you have to tell your partner no. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to, or for whatever reason, it doesn't even freaking matter. You said no, and then right the oh my god, the blame, the mm-hmm. manipulation that can come from it, the like I was just I have been put down yeah. because I said no, right? Like, you get called a tease. Well, oh, not I just do that, or right, you're like, like, God, I just can't. Like, you're just making me feel bad, right? It's like, well, I need to do this, right? I we're in this relationship together, right? Like, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're meant to do. Right. This is gonna ruin my whole day. Right. Exactly. I'm just gonna be pissy all day. I'm gonna be in a bad mood all day, and it's your fault. It's because mm-hmm. this didn't happen. And uh, even, like, to the point where Brian and I, my husband, have had to have some serious conversations mm-hmm. about sex. Because we have found that his sexual appetite is different than mine. Right. And so it's like, when I say no, yes, we are married. However... You're just going to have to wait and deal with it. Like, right. it's not like I'm going to forever say no or we're never going to have sex again or anything to that effect. It's mm-hmm. for right now, it's a no and you need to to respect that. Right. Yeah. So for people out there that have experienced any type of rape, sexual assault, or abuse, um, we wanted to provide you guys with a couple of resources. One is a text resource, and then Sarah also found um, a national sexual assault um, telephone hotline. Yes. Both are available 24-7. So the text one is through crisistextline.org, and this is specifically um, for their sexual abuse text line, and you can text the word HOME, H-O-M-E, 
to 741-741, and they have crisis counselors available that will text with you 24-7. And um, you can also call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673-247. Yep. And most of this is confidential. There's only certain things that are required. They're required to report, like if there's a child or somebody um, that is a vulnerable adult, like an elderly person or something like that, um, mm-hmm. that's in danger. But most of them are confidential. So if you just need somebody to talk to, but you're not ready to take a step about like talking to the police or or maybe you don't have any information or whatever, they're just there to help you through whatever you need during your time mm-hmm. of need. And I'm sure they will provide you some amazing advice as well. Yep. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Pursuing Your Patronus and that it made you think a little bit about mental health and pursuing your own happiness and finding your ultimate Patronus. Make sure to stick with us here and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all those social media sites. And if you're enjoying your Pursuing Your Patronus podcast with us, you may also want to think about checking out our Loot the Booty series and also where we nerd out on YouTube. Expecto Patronum! Nice.